afternoon slash afternoon slash whenever you are listening to this, ladies and gentlemen. This is Red and Blue Hate Yellow. I'm your host, Noah Hotailing. With me, as always, is Sean McGovern. I'm in my happy place. I'm in my happy place. I'm in my happy place. So, um, let's talk. Things have, uh, we haven't done a show in two weeks. Um, the week... So much has been happening! So, so much has been happening, has happened, I guess. Uh, as many of you well know, Philadelphia did not win the U.S. Open Cup. Was close to it. And Seattle, you know, does what Seattle's very good at. And, you know, ended up, you know, unfortunately, I will give Philadelphia credit. It's the loudest I've ever heard that damn stadium. Um, PPL Park, I should say, Stadium Arena. Uh, I guess Park. I don't, what, yeah. what is the technical difference? I don't know. Yeah. Um, even yeah. the yeah. Uh, non-supporter section seemed to be lively and into it. And uh, Oh, yeah, we got them singing a couple times. Which I, I understand that it's very similar to last year when the, the, the Red Bulls were competing, you know, that final season game where they were competing for the Shield. And uh, it seems like the it, there was a moment where the crowd, did, we do a, you know, let's go Red Bulls, clap, 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 clap. Um, and it's always prefaced with uh, the whole stadium sings with us. Which is, you know, started by the South Ward, and then everybody, you know, joins in with the Let's Go Red Bulls. And then uh, there was a moment, and it was right before Terry Henry scored the goal to tie the game after McGee had, you know, put Chicago one up on the Red Bulls. And right before that, they got one, and the whole state, like, and I've heard it since a little bit where this whole stadium gets kind of behind it. And. But at that moment, like, I have never heard the stadium like that. And it happened once more later in the game where it was even louder when I, I think the stadium realized that the Red Bulls had a real shot at winning the, the supporters' shield. And it's just that weird championship environment. And I'm sure you guys – I know you guys experienced it because you've been watching on – I had a, a an interesting perfectly legal live stream of the Open Cup. I didn't have commentary. <laughs> no, legitimately. It but was, you could guess. I, 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 I actually, I was, I was so happy not to have commentary to just watch the game. Like it was just game audio, where I could hear what was going on in the arena. And you know, there was a couple times where I thought Seattle was a little bit, you know, they overpowered the River End once or twice. But I think those were more. Oh, in the beginning, they definitely did. Yeah, there was, oh, yeah. A, there was a moment in the first half, and I, I don't think it was the River End. I think the River End was actually in between songs, and I noticed it when we played Seattle on the weekend. That's when Seattle chooses to do their, their loudest chants when you're in between what you're doing or that, you know, that brief 10 to, you know, 10 to 30 seconds where nothing's really, you know, where the supporters are kind of figuring out what the next one is. And that's when Seattle decides to do their stupid Seattle sound. Oh, my God. If I never hear that chant again. Um, and there was that moment during the, the the Open Cup where they got one of those off. But for the most part, up until the end of the game, and, and I mean probably until 
who scored the last goal? Was it Deuce scored the securing goal or Femi Martin scored the securing goal where it kind of put it out of reach for Philadelphia? I want to say it was Deuce, but I I can't easily be wrong. Yeah, I can't remember it because they're backwards in my head. And um, it was, uh, there was, you know. It wasn't Martin. It was Martin's. Yeah. Um, up until even that moment, I thought the stadium and the River End, especially, were you know holding their own, and, and really that was the, the towards the end of the game, it became very apparent. Um, I have a lot of unpopular views about that game that I've been carrying around in my gut since um, since the game happened. What? Don't okay. get me wrong; I'm extremely proud of the Union. I'm, you know, up until that last. You know, up until overtime, they played their guts out. Overtime, they seemed to lose it. They seemed to lose it. But, throughout, I mean, the thing that really sealed the deal was Zach McMath making a last year Zach McMath move. And just charging out of the goal. Oh, he was he just Charging caught. out of his zone. Oh, and just... then the ball's on the other side of the field, and then it's in the net. Yep. But it even was... more than that, it, there was this fear of taking shots that, you know, was palpable. I don't, you know, watching the game, I don't think Philadelphia was afraid of taking shots. Maybe it, maybe it was just from, you know, sitting that close. Maybe. But, you I, know, it, attempts on goal, even at 19. Yeah. I, I honestly think Philadelphia's, I thought Philadelphia went for it. I just think they ran out of ideas on how to go for it. Well, I mean, Seattle is a team that will make you second-guess yourself. Well, I mean, and then third, guess yourself, and then you're stuck. Which you know, that's one of the few compliments I can give the fish market. But lo and behold, I'll give it to them. Well, Seattle also had the added benefit of sitting Ofemi Martins on the bench to start that game. Agreed. And having him come in very well rested. But throughout the game, I just kept thinking, you guys are playing like you did in the beginning of the year. Why? Yeah. I think there was a little bit of security after they got the goal. There was a little bit, but then once they tied it up, you know, be, immediate beginning of the second half, it seemed like they went back to basics, which can be good, you know, to an extent. But I think they took it to a further extent. And, again, don't get me wrong, I'm extremely proud of how that game went. I'm extremely happy with how that game went. I wish it had ended differently. Yeah, well, I think the big thing with Philadelphia is they need a better quality front-end striker. Connor Casey is not the answer. Well, Casey's gone after this year, man. Yeah, well, no, I I know that, but I mean, I, mean, I, I think that's really hurt them this year. Connor Casey, um, as well as he plays against the Red Bulls, doesn't seem to bring that same level of intensity or, you know, even acumen when he's playing somebody else. It, intensity, it, I'll grant you, acumen... I would argue against your position there. Well, there, there was one moment in that game where Casey really let his emotions get out of control, and he was already sitting on a yellow card. And I really thought at one point he deserved a second yellow and should have been red carded for his behavior. Uh, you know, not straight red card, second yellow leading yeah. to a red card. And I, I looked at Amberly and I was like, they need to get Connor Casey off the field. And it was him getting chippy with uh, uh, 
Alonzo on Seattle. And, and Alonzo is a dirty player, in my opinion. I'm not a huge Alonzo fan. I, and I haven't been. He plays, he plays a really weird physical style of, of soccer that I'm not appreciative of. Uh, not so dissimilar to Casey, but I think Alonzo plays dirtier. I think Casey plays physical and sometimes is almost overpoweringly physical. And I can understand it. I don't think it's an intentional, I mean, to go after somebody. Whereas Alonzo looks like he intentionally will go after somebody with a hard challenge and then plead like, oh, you know, he almost pleads it like he is just a physical player. Just run a play. Just run a play. Yeah. And it it just seems like he tries stupid stuff that has no place in the game. And it it showed in the MLS All-Star game with Alonzo when he – playing a friendly against Bayern Munich, yeah, somebody's like, well, there is no friendlies. And I hate when commentators praise that type of attitude when we get this whole MLS versus the world bullshit where we've all got to be MLS cheerleaders. And Alonzo went in. Hearing that in a British accent always makes me squint. (laughs) Just throwing that out there, guys. So... And, and there is this weird thing in, in Taylor Twelman, and, and I don't mean to like call names out, but I'm going to say it, Taylor Twelman and Alexi Lawless can do this when you're watching an MLS, especially MLS All-Stars versus whoever they're playing each year when ESPN airs this game. You get this very pro MLS side, which granted, you know, that's the, the, the league that they cover the most. And I understand that we, we want this league to grow and succeed. Um, Personally, I don't give a shit about the league. I give a shit about my team. But, you know, you watch them, and there was a moment during when they were talking about Alonzo, and Alonzo went in during the MLS All-Star game, and I forget who he came in. Was it Schweinsteiger? I can't remember who. He came in with a really bad tackle from behind, two feet up, studs, and got yellow carded for it, I believe. But Pep... Guardiola, the the Byron coach, was just fuming. It's it's what led to handshake gate, you know, with Pep not shaking Porter's hand, because, and I'm not a big Kale Porter fan, but Kale Porter afterwards, you know, Pep is like screaming on the sideline that this has happened because you know, in the end, MLS All Star Game is still just a friendly, and it was a tackle that never should have happened in a friendly, and. And basically, like, the whole time you get you – know, I can't remember if it was Taylor or Alexi, and it's like these things happen. Like, anytime you step on the field, it's a, it's a competition. And, yes, there's a point where it's a friendly, but you're still competing, and there is no such thing as friendlies, really. And it was just like, guys – and I, they kind of, like, halfway admitted it was a really bad challenge and it should have never happened. But then they were defending Porter, like, saying, well, he doesn't really have control of his player lately like, because it's not his team. Bull fucking shit. Like, at that point, like, you're coaching the MLS All-Stars. Like, I would have been screaming at Alonzo for pulling that shit. And everybody would have appreciated it because Alonzo plays for Seattle Porter, who's the coach of Portland. Everybody would have been like, all right, he's cracking down on the Seattle player. So that would have been a – but nope. And meanwhile, while Pep's screaming at the MLS All-Stars, you know, bench and looking at Porter – Porter just has this dumb, smug look on his face, like, oh, what's it? you know, he just kept, like, throwing his hands up in the air and shaking it off. It's like, no, not, and so, but we have this, Alonzo's that type of player, like, in an international friendly is going studs up on somebody. Like, that shit doesn't need to be in the game. 
And then he'll just, you know, oh, it's run a play. I play I play every game like it's competitive, I think is what Alonzo said uh, afterwards. And it's like, well, if you're competing that way, you know, maybe... You're a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there, there was a couple I'm of things. I'm sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But you're no, a dick. No, it, it's, it's fine, because it, that's how I feel about Alonzo. I'm not a huge fan of his, and I thought Casey kind of bought into how that was going, and then Casey had a moment where, like, he went to tackle him, and it went poorly, and then he, like, literally threw him on the ground, and I was like, Casey's going to get, like, and then was pissed at the ref and started jawing with him when he got called for the foul. And I was like, oh, man, just shut your mouth and walk away. But at the same time, having watched a lot of that game, and again, maybe it was just with my seats, but that really felt like it was an every third call is legitimate game. It It really felt that way, dude. And I I know that's how it may have felt, and, and, you know... As, as much as I don't root for Philly, I was kind of pulling, it, it, I said in the show before, I was pulling for Philly just so you and Mike had, you know, it, 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 I was pulling for Philly for you guys, but kind of. Just so that way Mike and I wouldn't have drinking problems. No. Though you know, folks, that's why we've been missing for a couple weeks. Um, no, it wasn't quite, you know, it, it, it's a weird feeling because I, I think I said it on Twitter after the game. I was absolutely gutted for you guys, but there was the, like, the Red Bull fan in me. Mm-hmm who was absolutely stoked that the rest of the Philadelphia fan base didn't get that. Oh, no, you and I you and I talked about it. We did the normal bow heads and shake hands and, yeah, I, you know, resume being friends now because 90 minutes is done, even though it wasn't a Union Red Bull match. No, it was – and it, it was a weird match for me to watch. It really was. Like, like, sometimes adult feelings on sports are complicated and fucking weird because <laughs> – Sometimes adult feelings are complicated and, and weird. Um and it, it was just fucked up watching that game, because normally I wouldn't root for Philly. And, and there was afterwards, which was awesome about that game and awesome about the Red Bull fan base, is because we take so much shit about, you know, how long it took us to win a championship. Everybody started posting pictures of the Shield. Everybody. And it was like I made an active decision. I was not retweeting those. For at least your benefit. Like, Although was, we did get into it about cheesesteaks and the nature of Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah, that was a weird conversation. So, um, <laughs> but uh, that's more so for people out in Buffalo, those assholes. So, but, uh, but no, I mean, well, it's like I have no problem if you guys make the playoffs this year, which is a big if. Which is a big if, but if you guys were to make the playoffs this year, I'm pulling for you. Like, I want Red Bull to win the cup. And people on Twitter, you can get your hate mail out at me, at SMCG29. The Union fan is pulling for Red Bull to take home the cup. And here's why. I'm still pissed off at MLS about Nike. (laughs) I can't stand Nike. I think it's the dumbest fucking decision and you know what? Fine. Okay. Just so that way they can get some dirt in their eye, and maybe a cleat to the crotch, I want Red Bull to take home the cup. Just so that way it can be the one last fuck you before knife becomes a thing. I would, it would, it would be nice. I, I want to see it just because I, I, I... Well, also I want you to be happy. Well. Because you are my friend. It's, 
it's more I wanted to see it because I think Terry Henry deserves a winning season for as hard as he is he has fought for this team and I know a lot of people don't see it and a lot of people outside of Red Bull like to you know bitch about Terry Henry's commitment and how he walks on the field and how he carries himself and for those people, it's, you know... I just assumed he was French, but okay. Um, well, I think it is ego. <laughs> I, I think that is part of it, and I also think part of it is... Um, it's just the competitive nature in him. I really do. Like, I don't know. I think it comes down to the fact that he knows he's as good as he is. Well, I think he also realizes that he's not as good as he once was. I think there's a lot of things that go with it, but they always say, like, you watch interviews with him, and the person he has modeled his entire sports life off of is Michael Jordan. And you talk about a guy who did not smile a lot until he won actual championships, and Michael Jordan may be that guy. Is he as delusional as Jordan? I think partly. But okay. I think any great competitor has to be. Also. Like, like, to an extent, I don't know, because if you ever read a lot of like sports biographies, autobiographies, you know, the so-and-so and... This person's normally a ghostwriter, biographies. Mm-hmm. One thing that comes across is the fact that they don't know what makes them good. You know, a lot of the greats, you know, in, especially with, like, weirdly, tennis, NASCAR, and baseball. They have no idea. My, one of the prime examples, Bo Knows Bo, written by Bo Jackson and somebody else whose name escapes me. Mm-hmm. It's like, he has utter contempt for baseball and football. He wanted to be a track star. He, like, taught himself how to throw a javelin in three days. And he damn near killed somebody with it. But they don't know what makes them good. Whereas Michael Jordan getting accepted into the NBA Hall of Fame was talking about how his whole life, everybody doubted him. No, I'm pretty sure once you made college (laughs) and everybody was saying, you're the biggest thing in basketball... And then when you went into baseball, everybody doubted you because you sucked. Yeah, he wasn't. I think the thing about Jordan and that defines him, and I think what he means about everybody doubted him, and this is just because, you know, growing up, Jordan was the big thing when I was a kid, but watching him, is there was moments in Jordan's career, even as a Chicago Bull, where they told him, oh, like everybody, I think, tried to define what Jordan was while Jordan was playing. And Jordan made it a point of emphasis always to prove them wrong when they said Who that... Who introduced him? Hmm? Who introduced him at the Hall of Fame? Um, oh, I forget. It wasn't Pippen, was it? No. Nope. It was, I believe, his high school coach. Oh, that's right. Who told him, you should probably think about doing something else. <laughs> it wasn't Pippen who helped him out. It wasn't Bird as rival. It wasn't, you know, anything like that. No. It was... It, it's like he couldn't get past that point. So we know what made him good. It was hard work at trying to rub it in this dude's face. Fine. And cool. he made he made a career of that because, I mean, when they told him he was a ball hog, what did he do the next season? He led the league in assists. Yes. You know, it, it, that was the type of mentality Jordan had. I don't know if Terry Henry is quite that way. I think Terry Henry understands that he is good, but I don't I think he's much more of a leader in his dotage than he was in his youth. It's hard to say, you know, and a lot of people would argue that point, but I think it, Henri... I mean, I mean, leader as in he knows how to delegate, he knows how to create and allows the creation better, if that makes any sense. 
I'm Ray's a weird beast, and he's always going to be a weird beast, but I think all great competitors are weird beasts. Like, I don't think, you know, there's this perfect formula. He's certainly not this perfect, you know, uh, clean cut, says what he thinks people think he should say. I mean, it's funny because he talks about uh, Bradley Wright Phillips right now, who set, you know, the the Red Bull single-season scoring record. And everybody's talking, you know, in, in Red Bull lands, talking about how great of a season Bradley Wright Phillips is having. And, and Henri will be the one that goes, if he makes, if he, if he made half the shots he's missed this year, you know, it's just that weird, you know, competitive edge in him. And I think it translates to other people where, you know, yeah, Wright Phillips. Agreed. But then when you see him on the field and how he handles himself among the other players when it's business time. He might be a glory hog, but I don't think he's as egocentric when it matters. No, and I don't... Why the fuck am I defending Terry Henry? I don't know. Um, I I think you're right, though. I I think he's... Hey, hey, Mr. Henry, if you're listening, Noah could interview you. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Just saying. That's not going to happen. I want this to happen. I want to interview Hugh Jackman, Uh, and you could interview Terry Henry. It would be great, but he's... pretty sure the fan bases hold I think, either one in contempt for their choices in life. I think uh, if that was to happen, I don't even know, because uh, Henri does We'd not... retire the next day. Oh, yeah, no. There, After those, if we could no... sync those two interviews, we'll, we'll retire. If we could sync one of those interviews, we would retire. So, guys, seriously, tweet at both of them. <laughs> um, there's no way that Henri comes on the show. He hasn't even done seeing red. Um, and I don't know that he ever will. I don't think he likes doing podcasts. I don't think, I think he doesn't tolerate stupid questions. And I think he's just afraid that every time we don't ask stupid questions, we just happen to be stupid people asking questions. That's fair enough. But I think he just feels that anybody who's going to ask him a question has the possibility of asking him a stupid question, which is fine. He can fucking Greta Garbo it with the whole Greta Garbo's last interview. Here was the question that was asked. I wonder, to which Greg Garbo responded, why wonder, got up and walked out. Well, actually, and the best part of a Terry Henry interview is actually his facial features for when he gives the, you just Look, asked you're him. already married. If you want to come out of the closet, it's a big No, no, no. I'm just saying, wait, like, his expression, and, like, if you ask him, like, the best thing you can get out of a Terry Henry interview is if somebody asks him a dumb question and the look that he gives in that moment. Dude, we have we video have. capability on the internet. You yeah. realize this. You have a goddamn YouTube channel that the only videos on it is my ugly mug and your, like, still picture from Skype. Mm-hmm. So, what's, uh... What the hell are we talking about? I don't know. Yeah, so Halloween's around the corner, and tonight on the Cozy Corner, we're going to be talking about... Your new costumes. That, Wait, wrong podcast. That got weird. Um, Hold on, put my crochet away. The one thing I would like yeah, to actually talk about, like, I don't, like, yeah, Red Bull got beat pretty bad this weekend, uh, a 4 nothing loss to L.A., which I actually think for a lot of that game was actually closer than that scoreline appeared, and then it got out of control towards the end of it, and it just, I think Red Bull packed it in after the second goal. And uh, then there was in... in Glorious, crumbling down RFK Stadium. Uh, Union lost 1-0 against United. And the two got herded. 
you can keep going. Or just to, just to let you got herded. And um, it was funny watching people go, oh, season's over. I I don't know. Well, No. I mean, well, it's just a couple of the people who are like, you know. It's a big blow this late in the season. It's a big blow this late in the season. Big fucking deal. I'd rather have him rest up. I think we can get, you know, a couple more good seasons out of him. And you know he wants to play in Philadelphia. But is the season over because, you know, one of the stalwarts is injured? No. Fuck no. And if you start thinking like that, go be a Mets fan. Yeah, it's, well, I, I just think it's hard, hard because when you talk about offensive players on Philly, and it's been a point where they have kind of struggled this season. The offense- well, Kincaid brought it up and said it best. Casey was, and this is a quote from his tweet. Casey was a gamble. Wagner was, sur- Wagner was surplus. Mm-hmm. And the two wasn't wanted. Both times. Yeah, you're, you're talking about Lutu, but Lutu... We has, have gambled on every move, and it's paid off. I know we don't have the hardware to back it up, but we have, but the team has showed repeatedly that they can take the scraps and the runoffs and the unwanted and prove their ability. So, one of them is injured. Fine. You know who the fuck could step up is Danny goddamn Cruz... Maybe he becomes a wonder for us, you know, in this final playoff. Not quite a push, more like a shove. A half-hearted towing with a boot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I refuse to believe the season's over until the last whistle blows. But then again, I'm a dreamer. But I am not the only one. And we got truth and beauty bombs. I am so confused where you're going with that. I just might Nothing, it just pissed me off when I saw in the Twitter and Facebook feeds that, you know, oh, season's over. Well, well, I'm glad you decided to nail shut that coffin so quickly. Well, Remind me to not invite you to my funeral, any of them. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's it's not that it's over. It's just, I think both teams, it, it the season, I mean, New York could very well not make the playoffs. Philadelphia's... On the outside bubble, looking in, hoping for some help. Um, not that New York isn't really, because Toronto has a game in hand and sitting one point behind New York, you know, right below the thin red line. And, you know, it it's going to be, it's a tough, it's a tough ask. It's, um, we'll see what happens in the last remaining three games for each club. It's, it's going to be weird. The one... The one thing that's uh, not that Red Bull fans are upset, me. it's that, like kind of the league perception of the Red Bulls, the league wide perception of the Red Bulls. It just seems I don't know if there's if bias is the word. I don't want to accuse other people of bias against my team. It sounds petty. It sounds like you know I'm insecure with how my team. <laughs> You're talking to one of the people whose fan base would. Uh would be biased against you. Yeah. It, but it, no. Let me justified with us. <laughs> no, it's it's this weird perception, and, and I've been seeing a lot of MVP talk for league MVP and stuff, and, and the one name that seems to just get pushed off to the side repeatedly, and I'm not sure as to why this 
is uh, is is Bradley Wright Phillips. You have you have a guy who's league, leading the league in goals, uh, twenty four goals. Um, the next closest is Dwam Dwyer, who I believe has twenty two, twenty one or twenty two. Uh, and I can't remember exactly. I'm looking up his uh, his stats right now just to to be sure on it, but. You would think a player like that leading leading the league in goals would be a prime candidate for for MVP. And I understand there's other things that go into MVP. There's you know the midfield players and like it's not all about goals scored. But when you have somebody who's in the race for the possibility to break the all-time MLS record, he's four goals off with three games left to play. It's not a crazy crazy thing to to possibly happen. I mean, he scored a hat trick against Seattle uh, in a very, you know, one of his better games uh, against the tired Seattle, granted, but, you know, still scored, you know, three goals. And three of those uh, are, I believe, in the last three games, we maybe have three or four. We either have three or four games left, I can't remember. And uh, uh, two or three of those are at home, where he could very well break the record. Um you don't see his name getting brought up, and it seems to get written off that, well, it's because he plays with Terry Henry, and Terry Henry is the reason he's scoring uh, this many goals. Actually, Dom Dwyer has 20 goals on this season, so he's he's sitting four goals back of uh, uh, Wright Phillips. But you would think if Wright Phillips sets the goal record, you know, that becomes a really strong case, but I see people going, well, he's not as good as Femi Martins or, or Dempsey or or um, Robbie Keane. Everybody wants Dempsey to be it because he's the prodigal son. And I think that's very true, and plus he plays for Seattle, and Seattle's a sexy pick. I think people want to see Robbie Keane get it because L.A.'s currently maybe one of the best teams in MLS. They're, they're playing very strong. They, they have a good team. Robbie really, Ke- at the end of the season, yeah. I didn't believe it. Yeah, but the thing with this is, is it's not. it can't be all on Reed. Wait, you cannot attribute a guy's goal-scoring prowess to Henri because he didn't leave the league in goals last year. Now, granted, he was fighting for time with Fabiana Spindola, but the Spindola didn't re- leave the goals. How about when Kenny Cooper was here? Kenny Cooper didn't leave the league in goals. You know, um, Rogers when he played, Luke Rogers didn't leave the league in goals. Henri's never even led the league in goals except for early season. So it becomes this thing of you can't just attribute it to Henri. Now, Henri has helped, yes. Henri has had some moments where he's set Wright Phillips up very well. But that happens in every team. You, you, there is no such thing as a goal scorer who only scores, you know, I saw somebody today, and uh, I'm just not even going to mention the name, but said that, you know, what else does Wright Phillips do besides score goals? Well, what the fuck else is he supposed to do? He plays as the central forward. And a lot of times, you know, the only forward up top. That's his goddamn job. And, like, you know, that's that's the thing that gets me. Like, literally, you were talking about a pure striker. His job is to find the back of the net. His job is to finish passes to him. It's to make goalkeepers look silly sometimes. It's to finish the easy stuff. It's to put your team in a position to win. That's the striker's job. Defenders defend, midfielders distribute, strikers finish. 
That's how the game works. I don't know what magical sport you were watching where, you know, a forward is supposed to do more than that. Like, I, it, it's not as if Bradley Ray Phillips, like the Red Bulls are running these formations where they run a true, true striker set. Because they don't. Even when Henri is listed as a forward, Henri is basically an attacking midfielder. And they leave Wright Phillips up top centrally and try to distribute him the ball so he can finish. It's what they've done all season. And when they're not doing that, they're running three forwards, which two players are playing. Henri is playing left winger, and usually Lloyd Sam plays the right winger. We're still trying to get the ball to Bradley Wright Phillips in the center of the box so he can finish. I don't know what you're – like, a guy who has actually legitimately set a goal-scoring record for his club. Without those goals, yeah, you have Henri up top maybe, and maybe they're scoring some of those. But I think without Wright Phillips' finishing ability this year and him really finding, the, you know, the ability to score, the Red Bulls are not even sitting close to a playoff picture right now. So, if you're talking about most valuable players, I don't understand, like, it, I don't understand how his name is not being brought up. It's either people just don't want to acknowledge, and we saw this last year uh, with the Red Bulls. Tim Cahill had a phenomenal season. Basically, Tim Cahill's work ethic helped them win the Supporter Shield. He had fantastic finishes. Um, there was the game against Seattle where he got a header in, like, the, the 89th minute to tie a game with Seattle. At the time, was leading the Shield race, and, you know, was Seattle was supposed to walk all over the Red Bulls, and that was supposed to be the start to their, you know, supporter Shield clinching run. It was the start of them showing cracks in their armor because the Red Bulls pulled off a very improbable road draw without the help of Terry Henry. Cahill never got mentioned in, you know, in the MVP talks when he could have very well been the league MVP. And I'm trying to think of a time where a New York player, the last time a New York player has actually been involved in those talks. And, I mean, granted, not every season you're going to have a player who is having the season like Bradley Wright Phillips is having. But let's be honest. Bradley Wright Phillips is having an MVP caliber season. Now, if he doesn't finish off this season winning the goal-scoring record, if the Red Bulls don't make the playoffs, yes, the, then the debate becomes maybe not the great greatest thing. But the league has also set precedent that we can give an MVP award to a team that doesn't make the playoffs because they did it the year D.C. was uh, knocked out of the playoffs with Dwayne De Rosario, And he won the league MVP. They didn't make the playoffs. He won the league MVP, I believe, right? Am I am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. I think I am. I believe so. And so it it just becomes this thing, why not Bradley Wright Phillips? And there's a couple of prevailing theories going around, you know, it's because Bradley Wright Phillips is, you know, a non-DP English player who came from a championship side. And... But I don't know how close that is, because I think if Dom Dwyer was in the same situation with how much the league loves their Kansas City, 
that wouldn't even be a question. But I think because it doesn't become as much of an issue because Dom Dwyer is still scoring goals, but they've kind of tapered off a little bit. You know, not the the greatest pick. Kansas City was really strong in the beginning of the season. They've struggled here as of late, and Dom Dwyer isn't as hot as he was in the beginning of the season. I mean, still 20 goals hot. I mean, they still had a phenomenal season. And I'm not going to hate on Dom for that. So it it's just... Why? What are we doing? Do we only want DPs to win this this award? Uh, you know, or it's just a really strange thing to me that you know. And I, the the one going, well, what's he done besides score lots of goals? I didn't realize there was another criteria you needed to measure a pure striker on. Like, has he ever saved a puppy from a house fire? Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I have not asked Brad. You don't know, but it can't be proven one way or the other, so let's not make him MVP. <laughs> so it, it's just a weird thing to me that, you know, the the not the the, the non-hype around Bradley Wright Phillips. That should exist a little bit, like should be brought up on short lists. And, you know, I would say he's got to be in your top five candidates, and then let's have a debate. But people don't seem – People want to seem to write him out before they get to that point and go, oh, it's the Henri effect. It's not a fucking thing. I mean, you look at the pure strikers that have played with Red Bull before Bradley Wright Phillips, and none of them have had a season like this. None of them. You want to know how I know? Because he broke Juan Pablo on Hell's goal-scoring record for the New York Red Bulls. So... It's not Henri making him just that much better. I mean, he's still got to finish finish the ball. He's still got to score them himself. That's his job, and he has done it very well and, and should be up. I don't know. It's just it's something that's just slightly irritating me, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know. Um, let's talk about this weekend stupid, besides that whole thing. So I saw a tweet today. Because, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, Frank Lampard came in for Man City. And an NYCFC fan tweeted about our, our loan, we have, or Man City has a player loaned out playing in the EPL and now playing in Champions League. Red Bulls have a player loaned out to the NASL. That about says all you need to say about that team. I would just like to point out that the only reason NYCFC have a player loaned out to an English side team is because they ain't playing no fucking games right now. They aren't competing in any sort of, you know, league tournament. They're not even fucking practicing. They have literally three or four, <laughs> three or four players signed to their team. You know why the Red Bulls have a player loaned out to NASL? Because the rest of them are competing and trying to make the fucking playoffs, you twat. So before you go spout your <laughs> stupid, maybe think about the scenario in which you were describing. Your team doesn't play real games, so therefore they have to get garbage minutes in a Champions League match, which is awesome that that happens, and I'm glad. But you know what? On replayed in the EPL two years ago when he was, you know, on the off season. You know why? Because he could still play. Scored a fabulous goal against Leeds in the FA Cup. 
scored two more in regular season for Arsenal coming in, grabbing those garbage minutes. And it was awesome. And we were proud of him when he did it, which is cool. Be proud of your team. But don't talk shit about my team in this bullshit concept you've constructed in your head where apples are not oranges. Fuck off. Oh. I am a Newton Vita. Apples are, in fact, not oranges. Yeah, I know. Did you, I fuck... Did you I, fucked it up, yeah. Yeah, you know what but I meant. You should have said where apples are oranges. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I should have said apples are oranges in his... Yeah. Thanks, Sean. No problem. Just looking out for you, bro. Oh, okay. Let's uh, let's get some predictions out of the way for the weekend. We have the Houston Dynamo on Saturday. Yay! <laughs> um, it's not terrible. It's not terrible, and it's a home game. So I'm going to go with a two-one win for the New York Red Bulls at home. Uh, Lloyd Sam's going to be back. Oyango's still out, which makes me sad face. Because Oyango on the left has been just a killer threat with him and Roy Miller overlapping. Um, they've been able to, to kind of put pressure on left-hand side defenses and get balls in uh, to the center of the box by their overlapping runs. And Oyango is really great at earning corners when, you know, that type of play where you realize the cross isn't going to work and just smashing it off the defender on the line to get your, to earn your corner. Um, so it hurts a little bit that he's not going to be in the game most likely with a hamstring pull, but Lloyd Sam's going to be back and he's always deadly on the other side. So, it, you know, I'm going to go two one to uh, Houston's had a rough season this year, a rough season. And I think we can exploit that. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to call shot it. I'm going to say Bradley Wright Phillips gets both goals, gets himself closer um, to that thing we were talking about. And yeah, you know, it's uh I think we'll be all right on uh, on Saturday. Who do you guys have? You guys have a Thursday night game this week, right, or something like that, or something weird? Yeah, Thursday against Chicago. Sure. Fuck Chicago. Hey, Sean. Yeah? You know what Chicago's called? Chicago yeah. Fire. You'll know it after the game, because you'll hear that chant. 60 goddamn you're billion times. You're going down, down, down. You're going down, Chicago Fire. Your team's so bad that you made McBride retire. See? You'll lose, lose, lose. Chicago Fire. If only Chicago, Chicago Fire, Fire could come up with something that clever, but they can't because all they know how to say is Chicago Fire. They're the fucking po- I, I make this joke. Oh, if only they had a Silver Linings playbook. But I guess they're all hungover. Really? That's a weird, obscure joke. Fuck Mike McGee. Fuck Mike McGee. <laughs> and Bradley Cooper when he's not Rocket Raccoon. It, 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 it's a stretch, but I'll give it to you. It was a weird one. I'll allow you to have it. Uh, you, you, you oh, wait, you don't have to worry about it. We won't hear Chicago Fire Kids. Because it's in Philadelphia. Yes. Which is awesome. So, I don't have to worry about it. So, what do you think? Um, I, I'm not sure. I am really not sure. I think that, uh, 2-1 Union, I think that's the safest, most reasonable bet I'm willing to make on this. But, yeah, I, 
Look, people of Earth, I, I really just, I don't, my heart was all in against Seattle. I mean, I, I couldn't go to the next game because my voice sounded like a paper shredder going through puberty. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. For me, that was the end of the season. I mean, and for as much as it is a don't say die, I, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> that being said, 2-1 us. Um, I don't think Latu's injury is going to phase us as much as everyone is afraid of, simply because I expect the Union to step up. You know, and, you know, take on this burden and prove they can play. That's really it. Hmm. All right. Um, with that, I'm trying to think, is there anything else we have to talk about? I got bunions. Bunions? Bunions. We're not going to talk about that. You sure? I yeah, mean, no, I took my socks off midway through. I'm looking at them now. I'm like, ah, these, these are things to talk about. Bunions. Possibly with the professional. And with that bombshell. <laughs> this has been Red and Blue Hate Yellow. I have been your host, Noah Hotailing. Junior co-pilot with Bunyan, Sean McGovern. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Have a day, bitches.